us who had been kidnapped by the law. I really like that because we were legally kidnapped under the law at that time, and he sent his son to redeem us. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father. So truly, we are adopted into the family of God. Not only did he plan from the beginning to receive us as family, he intended for us to receive each other as family. He intended for us to affiliate with each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11 Yeah, she's got that one. It says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can they be warm alone? And you know, I think about that illustration that Pastor Eric gives often of the coal that you take out of the fireplace and lay on the cold hearth, and it soon grows cold. But you put it back into the hearth where the rest of the coals are, and it begins to glow again. Uh, Verse 12 says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I love that also in the message because it says, With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. You know, God knew that we're better together. He really did. Uh, Deuteronomy says, one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. So the power that we have together is exponential. It's not just one puts a thousand to flight and two put 2,000 to flight. It's 10,000. So we have exponential power when we're together. Hebrews 10.25 says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but rather exhort or encourage each other. And I do find encouragement here. God knows we are better together. We're stronger. We stand up for each other. We pray for each other. And we stand in the gap. I don't want to really give the enemy much press tonight. I'm not much of a devil chaser. I don't like to talk about the devil a lot, but you guys, you do know you have an enemy out there, right? Yeah, we have, we really, really do. We have an enemy out there. Um, First Peter says, be sober. That means be serious about this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he might devour. And I thought about that. That's, that's an illustration in the Bible, and that's pretty graphic. Like a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he might devour. So I got on the Internet, and I, I ran up some videos of lions hunting to see what it was like. And what I found is they're opportunists. And if they're resisted, most of the time they'll run away. I watched this one video in Africa of this little band of lions that was hunting some Cape buffalo. 
and it was during calving season and the little calves were on the ground and they were shaky and trying to stand up and they were so cute but all those lions saw was dinner and they moved in on those baby buffalo and immediately that herd circled those babies and put those you know they've got those big old beefy heads with the horns and stuff they put those heads down and they looked like gladiators with their shields up they just formed a circle around those babies and those lions would come in and one by one those bulls would break rank and charge those lions and the lions would back off and this happened over and over and over until the lions just became so exhausted that they quit because they would rather not have baby buffalo than risk injury so they just quit and the herd kind of moved on off but in the fracas one old cow got separated from the herd and when the lions saw her they took her down in a flash that's the way our adversary hunts he hunts the weak the sick the ones that get separated from the herd so I was kind of wondering could we expose that strategy tonight that strategy of trying to separate us from the body we're vulnerable when we're alone if you're isolated you're easy you're an easy target you know any shepherd will tell you that he if he's got 99 sheep in the pen at night and one is missing he's going to go out seeking that one lamb because that lamb is not going to make it through the night so many times I talk to people and I've been this person I've been this person and I have this person in my family that says well I certainly do not have to go to church to be a Christian I've said it you've heard it and I think wow the picture I get in my mind and you guys have seen this you remember Jurassic Park when they staked that little goat out trying to draw Tyrannosaurus Rex in and it gets to be nightfall and all of a sudden you hear this boom boom and you see the the water jiggling as this giant dinosaur approach that's kind of what I feel like when I'm looking at that person I thought yeah you can be a Christian and never ever go to church never affiliate with the family of God but why why would you do that it's so much harder when you're alone so it's not my intention to teach church growth or membership retention tonight And as I read my notes over it kind of sounded like that kind of like we're having a church growth seminar but what I really want to do is maybe raise some red flags maybe we will see ourselves in this a little bit it's so important that once in a while we step outside of ourselves step outside of our minds step outside of our emotions and see where we are and if you find yourself standing there alone and everybody else is over here that's a red flag you know you need to take a look at that so what separates us from the herd I hate to call us a herd what separates us from the herd from the body what separates us from each other one of the things that I noticed is the old stiff arm and I was good at this one 
This was one of my favorites. When we came to Living Word, the old stiff arm. These are my boundaries. Don't cross them. And you know, the old stiff arm's kind of tricky because it looks like conceit. Um, it looks like aggression. It looks like I don't want to be friendly. And what it really is, is fear. It's fear. So when someone gives you the stiff arm or you feel yourself giving someone the stiff arm, a little red flag goes up. What is separating me from that person? I noticed that cynicism worked really well for me. Tom and I had been out there and we'd been the Lone Ranger for so long, I kind of felt like I was the fastest gun in the West. You know, I'd say, church lady, just keep on walking when nobody has to get hurt here tonight. You know, preacher boy, you just marry us and bury us. I don't need any of that relationship stuff going on. Boy, I could do, I had been to Benny Hinn and Bill Johnson from here to the Pecos. I had my been there, done that sheriff's badge, and I was wearing it. But you know what? You guys didn't give up on me because I needed you. I needed you so much. I was so afraid. We had been so hurt, and I was so afraid. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you, Lord. That wall that I built was pretty safe. I wasn't likely to get hurt behind it, but you and I both know that it's cold and it's lonely behind a wall. And what if you get sick or fall down behind a wall? Who's going to know? Who's going to help you? If you're living life behind that wall, if you're giving the world a stiff arm, I just invite you to trust again. Just trust again. Just trust again. I can't guarantee you that if you take your heart from behind the wall and wear it on your shirt sleeve, that you're never going to get hurt. Chances are you will. That's a part of life. But it's so lonely behind that wall. The second reason I saw that we get separated from the body is because sometimes we just become invisible. We have people come in here all the time. They're quiet people. They're not big joiners. And they stay here a month, two months, and then they're just gone. Where are those people? They were supposed to be with us. They remind me of that commercial. Have you seen the one, the lady standing there and she's got holes in her? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way we are. We're standing here and we've got holes in us because those people have come in and they've disappeared. And we haven't connected with them. And I'm not saying it's all our fault. You know, they need to connect with us too. We need to connect with each other. If you're that person, if you're quiet and nobody's connecting with you, take the initiative, connect with them. Can I talk just a little bit about life groups? It just seems fitting to talk about life groups right there. At Living Word, we have life groups. And I will tell you, a lot of our living and loving and growing comes through our life groups. As a body, there's not many here tonight, but as a body on Sunday morning, when everyone's here, it's pretty intimidating. 
but life groups are intimate. I belong to two life groups, and several members of my life groups are here right now. And I can tell you right now, Elaine Martin's praying in tongues for me. That's what your life group will do for you. We take transparency to a new level in our life groups. And I guarantee you, nobody disappears without someone knowing it. You don't have to be a life group leader to bring somebody into your group. Approach people. Bring them in. Connect them. Connect with them. We don't need people coming in that are supposed to be a part of our group and losing them before we ever get to know them because we got holes in us. The third way that I find that people sheep get lost is by offense. I'm telling you, offense is laying all over this building. If I were to ask you to raise your hand if you had had the opportunity, now not got offended, but at least had the opportunity to become offended, all of us would raise our hands. I picked up some offense here just a while back. It was stinky, but I held on to it for a while. You know, I didn't talk about it, so it kind of grew. And I'm really involved here at Living Word Fellowship. So although my heart was beginning to detach a little bit, my body was still here. And Sean hit me with a word just like a guided missile one morning. I don't know if you've ever been here during the day when Sean's here, but he's like Quicksilver around this building. He's just everywhere. And when he stopped in the foyer and he gave me the Sean Johnson thing, that's where he crosses one arm over his body and he puts the other one up by his head. You know he's got something to say to you. And he just stopped and he spoke to me for a minute. And on a Monday morning, right out there in that foyer, I laid that offense down at the foot of the cross. And just as soon as I made that choice, it was gone. And I'm not telling you that some offense is not righteous. Boy, you know, sometimes it just feels good to sit in that mud puddle and rub mud on yourself. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. But it's deadly when it's nourished. Offense leads to a root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness will separate you from the body. It will isolate you from believers so quickly. So offense, yeah, it's laying everywhere. You know, Tatum talked about it up here in the praise and worship. It was, it's there. It's been there before. It's behind this pulpit. It's in the aisles. Don't pick it up. Walk around it. Step over it. Leave it lay. And you will recognize it. I mean, boom. There it is. Do I pick it up? I urge you to just leave it lay. Another thing that I found that isolates us from the group, and Sean and I talked about this just a little bit today because he called me and he prayed for me because I've been fighting this respiratory deal, is sickness. 
boy, it'll cut you out. If you're sick, call us and let us know. I know you say, ah, I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a whiner. You're not. You're not. Call us and let us know. If you're not feeling well, if you need prayer, let us be like those buffalo. Let us put our heads down and put a barrier around you while you recover. Because when you're sick and you're isolated, you're vulnerable. And we want to be there for you. I want to finish up tonight with a story. It's a story about a woman who's grown to mean so much to me. Her story is all of our story in a way. This is the story of my friend Naomi. Naomi was a wonderful woman. She was loved by everyone. In fact, you know her name means pleasant. She was loved by her church body. She was loved by her family. And she was loved by her community. But the economy crashed in her area. And her husband found a job literally in another country. That was back in the day when Naomi's boys were just little. So they packed up the whole family, left the church, left their family, left everyone, and went to Emelec's job. After they were there a while, wouldn't you know it, Olim died and left Naomi there alone with those two boys. As the boys grew up and nature took its course, of course they chose girls from the local area. So now Naomi has daughter-in-laws who are not even of the faith because the country they moved to, they didn't worship the one true God. So Naomi was there with her sons, her daughter-in-laws, and don't you know, even separated from the body, she must have been telling those girls about the one true God. But tragedy struck again in her life, and both of those boys died. So all alone now, cut off from her family with two daughter-in-laws, Naomi felt deserted. How her heart must have cried out for home and family, for the body of God, that place where she felt safe. She finally got herself together and decided she was going home. So she packed up those girls and they headed down the road. And it was quite a trip. They hadn't been gone very long when Naomi said, you know, Maybe this is not fair, me dragging these girls away from their parents, away from their homes. Maybe they could have a better life without me because, you know, I'm walking into the unknown. So she told the girls, why don't you stay here? And one of the girls did. Her name was Orpah. She decided to stay there. But Ruth, her one daughter-in-law, you know, she'd found a relationship with the one true God. And she said, I just can't go back now. I can't go back because I found something that's worth more than I'm leaving behind. 
And I just love Ruth's words. In fact, someone sung these words over us at our wedding. Tom, if you'll remember this. Ruth said, whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And where thou diest, I will die, and there I will be buried. Ruth's story is absolutely beautiful, but this is not Ruth's story tonight. This is Naomi's. So Naomi and Ruth made it back home, and when they were approaching the city, the news got out that Naomi was returning, and they ran out to greet her. They were so excited, so pumped. Naomi's coming home, our precious Naomi. That one that's so wonderful, so full of life. But this was not their Naomi that was returning. She was changed. She had been separated from the body so long that the enemy had done his dirty work. And she was now sour and bitter. In fact, when her friends ran out and said, Naomi, Naomi, we're so glad you're here. She said, don't even call me Naomi anymore. I want you to call me Mara because God has treated me badly. And Mara means bitter. Little Naomi was bitter. But you know, this is the story of the family of God and those women in that community wouldn't leave her alone. This went on for more than a year because Ruth had gotten married to a wealthy kinsman there and had a baby by then. And these girls were still talking to Naomi. Naomi, think what you've got. You've got Ruth. I know your sons are gone, but God loves you, Naomi. He loves you. This went on for a year. Would you put up with a bitter friend for a year? I mean, they weren't mad at God. How sour she must have seemed to them. But when that baby was born, the Bible tells us that those women put that baby in Naomi's arms. And then they began to prophesy over Naomi and say, Naomi, this baby's going to bring life back to you. This baby's going to be a comfort in your old age. And you know, the word tells us Naomi rocked that baby begin to coo over that baby and cuddle that baby. In fact, according to the Message Bible, that boy got a nickname, and that was Naomi's baby boy. She did everything for him. And that prophecy was fulfilled. He did bring life back to Naomi. But you know, what was it those ladies saw in her? Why didn't they turn her loose? They didn't. Because they saw destiny in her. And you guys know this story. You know this story is a story of destiny. Because that baby boy's name was Obed. And Obed had a child named Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. We need to begin to see that destiny in each other. Don't turn loose. Connect with us and we'll connect with you.
there's an old song of the church that I want to close with tonight. And this is old enough that Tom and I used to roll our eyes when they would sing it. But it goes, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm a part of the family, the family of God. You'll notice that we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're family and you are all so near. And when one has a heartache, we all shed a tear and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. From the door of an orphanage to the house of a king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags into riches, from weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. Amen. Amen. Pastor Sean. Thank you, Linda. I kind of like this chair up here. With me sitting down, we might be here a while. No, I'm just teasing. Um, I just want to share a scripture tonight. And again, thank you for that, Linda. Um, a couple things. Well, I'll share the scripture first. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, from, the whom, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. This is King James. I didn't change it before that. So maybe, um, maybe you can put that in a different translation. Marty, Ephesians 4, 16, maybe you can do a New American Standard for the screens. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's a really, really big mouthful. But, but if you just look at the very first beginning, the whole body, it fits together. You have a place tonight where you fit in the body of Christ. And if it's here, we welcome you with open arms. But if it's not here, you still have a place. You still have a place. And you need to find your place. You know, a lot of people in the body of Christ make a mistake by putting their, their employment as their guide as to where they belong. And that's not how it should be as a person in the body of the Christ. We first should find where we fit because everything else will line out there. Um, but anyway, so another thing I want to share is she was sharing that story of Ruth and Naomi. When it comes down to it, the blessings that Ruth received had to do with her connections. And it's no different for us. And, and again, it has to do with this scripture. If we are in the, have those right connections there's a blessing that's going to come to us. Stop and think about the blessing that the Lord was able to, to flow in to Ruth's life. She starts out a foreigner. She's going to live and die worshiping some false god. 
But because of that right connection that came into her life, a flow came to her of blessing. So much so that she was the, I don't remember if it's the grandmother or the great-grandmother of David, King David. Who is it, what is it tonight that the Lord is wanting to bring to you because of that right connection? Because I can guarantee you there's something. There is something. And again, this is a great place to be connected, but you have to know. You have to know where, you're, where you belong. You know, um, it's funny, because even when you know where you belong and where you're connected, sometimes it's a challenge to stay. <laughs> sometimes it's really difficult. I was talking to somebody, and they were talking about, um, I think they were, I think it had to do with where they lived was so different from what they were used to. And sometimes, you know, especially from people coming from other places, you know, and, and we're familiar with here, so we think this is wonderful. But when you're not from here and you're from somewhere else, it can not be wonderful. And sometimes, you know, and again, we have to be willing to set that personal whatever aside and say, okay, God, where do you want me? Where do you want me? And then keep coming back to that. So if you'll stand with me tonight, I just want to pray over you and bless you before we go. And I did get a text, and, I, and thank you so much. Sometimes I get so focused, okay, announcements, got to do this, got to do this. And I, and I had a great picture of pastors. It's so beautiful where they are. I had this picture. I was going to flash it up on the screen, and I completely spaced it. So, Marty, I don't know if you want to look it up and find it on Facebook. They've got just this gorgeous picture of them in their ski suits with the mountains behind them, and it's just beautiful. But Pastor Te Shelley texted me, and she, she, was, she is watching there, watching tonight. So we bless you, pastors. Um, have a great few more days. I'm not even going to tell you all the things that have been going on, but as Linda says, most of the building is still here. We'll just leave it that way. <laughs> There's a few parts we're kind of wondering about. But, but anyway, God is so good tonight. I do want to say this. You know, for some of you uh, may be aware that we've started this coffee shop ministry, and I should have announced that, that that's a ministry opportunity, and you can see Linda about that. But something good must be happening because we've had a, uh, a lot of things happen in there. So we're, but, the, but some good things are happening. Good things are happening. God is good. That's right, all the time. So Father God, tonight, I thank you for each one that you've brought here tonight. And Lord, I just believe or receive, Father, that wherever we are to be, you make that so clear. Lord, that that flow and that supply of blessing that you have to each one of us would just be that we would be able to throw that gateway wide open and that nothing would stand in the way because we are rightly connected in the body of Christ where you have planned for us to fit. So, God, I just thank you for that. I believe I receive that for each one that's here tonight. So, Lord, tonight we, we bless our pastors. We believe, Father, for just continued refreshing and times of refreshing from the Lord as they're uh, closing out their days. That We just, uh, you know, I was teasing with Pastor Eric, and maybe they don't have a 48-hour day, but, but let it seem like it, Lord, um, that the days be extended and that they just have just a full and complete rest while they're there. And so, Father God, for those that are here tonight and those that are not here, God, we bless and release the Father's blessing. Mm.
Mm. Oh, we just, I just release that blessing tonight. Father God has blessed you tonight. The scriptures say in Ephesians 3 um, that we are blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realms. And so I just declare that over you tonight. Every blessing in the heavenly realms is yours tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Linda. Um, have a blessed evening, and we will see you Sunday. Oh, and there they are. Thank you, Marty, for picking that up. It's just such a gorgeous picture. It's just so beautiful where they are. So, all right. Good night.